0: So we have Saul Hittite, who is the co-founder and CEO of Vault. Um, I figured he could do kind of a brief on his background, but then roll that right into Vault and how we got to that, to that point.
1: Yeah, my background is in technology. I started out uh, working for Oracle. I spent uh, 13 years there building enterprise-level software, uh, left together with uh, Renault and uh, some people that I see here. we built Lending Club. Uh, we did the same story a couple of times uh, in Asia as well. So you could say that uh, we have a marketplace uh, model expertise.
0: Excellent. Well, let's get into the detail then. And I know you have a couple of slides here. So I'll let you navigate those as you want to go through. Um, So Vault, what is it? That's what people want to know. It's not lending.
1: Right, right. So Vault stands for Vetted Alternatives Network. So uh, since the get go, I think the word network is probably not the best to describe what we are building, but that's what the industry refers to these uh, market networks. They call it market networks as opposed to social network, uh, Facebook, or professional network, as LinkedIn. Uh, a better way to describe what we're doing is a grid. So um, we are focusing on solving the randomness and the mess that is happening in the private markets. So if you look at the public markets, uh, if you have a Bloomberg terminal, you can navigate the public market. You can see who's selling what, who's buying what. You can do price discovery. Uh, and, and, and you take it uh, one step at a time until you close your deals. In the private market, whether you're looking for lending, secondaries, real estate, it's really 100% random. So to some extent, we wanna become the Bloomberg of the private markets.
0: Bloomberg, that's ambitious.
1: It is, it is. Tell me a little bit more about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so we realize that it's a, a, a big, a big uh, uh, project and we're not planning on building it alone. So as we go uh, through this presentation, you're going to understand that uh, we actually rely a lot on our partners. Uh, in fact, if, if, if we look at this slide, so, so to dissect what's in the private markets, uh, there are different players. Of course, you have on the left hand side all the asset originators. On the right-hand side, you have people with capital, family offices over in front and the likes. And in the middle, you have asset managers. They're not brokers, but they are asset managers. Think about ROAs. So these are people that will help the folks with capital to find the right opportunity, do the due diligence, and so on until they get. And most of the time, they are are regulated. So they have the right to do that. But then there is a layer of service providers, whether it's uh, data providers, whether it's uh, legal services, whether it's uh, due diligence type of services. So, so private markets are functioning because these small companies, in general they are very small, are constantly looking for each other to create small groups to execute a deal. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the Goldman Sachs and the Morgan Stanleys where they have everything in house. These guys have to constantly look for each other to find, to find the missing puzzle to complete the deal. give you an example. Uh, I, have, I have a family office that is interested in building a position in biotech. So I need to find the startups that are doing biotech. I need to find the, uh, the, the experts to judge. Maybe it's happening here in the US, maybe it's in another country. So there is a lot of people that are involved in making that deal come true.
0: Got it. That's helpful. Now, the basic concept here, using technology to bring together the various different participants around private markets. Um, now, I feel like I've heard about platforms that are similar, maybe Forge or iCapital, others like that. Um, what's, what's the different approach or, 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 or vision for, for Vault and where it's at today and where you want it to be?
1: Right, so so yes, we're not the only ones that saw this opportunity. The names that you mentioned are, are definitely there. The fundamental difference between Vault and what I call the marketplace model is that we are not a marketplace. So the difference is it's forced capital that decides which deals are going to be listed. It's forced capital that can open that catalogue to investors. So it does work if you are a retail investor. So you can look at the catalogue, it's similar to Amazon, I'll buy this, I'll buy that, and so on. The fees are more to 5% all the way to 15%. So that does not make economical sense for businesses which are the client that we are targeting. So we are... technology platform. We are an ecosystem where everybody plugs into it so they can find each other. We do not participate in the transaction. We do not charge fees because you close the deal. Whether you close a million dollar deal or a billion dollar deal, our revenue model is not affected by that. So we charge a combination of membership that allows you to access the core vault, which allows you to plug your business to the collective, and then depending on what you want, Depending on the specificities of the alternatives you are operating in, you keep buying technology from us. You keep buying services from us. When I say us, I mean the network itself. Most of the services are not built by us. The services are provided by by other members in 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 the market in, in the market network. So that's how we are different than a marketplace where it's in the middle that decides uh, the pricing, decides uh, who goes first, who goes last. So, so a good analogy of how a network model is superior to the marketplace model is in recruiting, for example. I remember 15 years ago, when I was hiring engineers, I had to pay three to six months salary, yearly salary, to the company that brings me the engineers. And LinkedIn came in, and all of that is gone. So majority of people today. They hire because they look at LinkedIn. Okay, I have the profile of the person. This is what I'm looking for. Because at the end of the day, I still have to sell that job. At the end of the day, that employee still have to convince the hiring managers. So if we're going to do all this work, why should we pay a percentage of the salary to a third party?
0: Sure. That makes sense. And so at some level, if I were to boil it quickly down on the the idea of the other players, they're almost like tech-enabled brokers still versus an actual marketplace network.
1: Exactly. And, and and again, you cannot use our ecosystem for retail. Retail needs hand holding. So our system is meant for businesses. And to to just show you the size of of the markets that we're looking at. So so the private markets are gonna are gonna reach seventeen trillion dollars in AUM by 2025. That is huge. And they have been on the rise for the last 10, 15 years. What's interesting is that small financial institutions represent 56% of all the AUM that is managed. The other 44% is managed by mega companies. So these small financial institutions don't have software meant for them. So if you, if you, if you look at a, a company, uh, small companies, 3 billion or less in AUM, they have really two or three problems that they have to, to figure out. How am I going to manage my clients? How am I going to manage my deal? So you can think of front, end, uh, uh, front office and back office. So most of the software that exists that they can afford are completely decoupled from each other. And that creates a big problem. How does the risk management guy tell the salespeople what kind of deals we accept and we don't accept? Where does compliance come comes in? So, so we set out to create a foundation for them so they can plug in with us and we customize everything we need for them. And then if there is something else that they need, there will be a system similar to App Store where they can get software from other providers mm-hmm. all through our standardized model that we put together.
0: Makes sense. It's helpful. Um, one of, one of the interesting things about uh, you know, marketplaces or networks, or as you're calling it, a grid, is you have to start somewhere. That's right. right. And I know you've you, guys, you know, we, started. I believe there's a wait list for some people trying to come in for membership. W- where does this start, and, and what does that initial vision look like?
1: So, so one beautiful aspect of the finance industry that it's viral by its nature. There is nothing you're going to close if you stay by yourself. So whatever tool I gave you, you're going to have to use it to communicate with others. So the virality that every network is looking for is baked in, in the system itself. So we started with one client. We have a client that is all the way on the management side. And we have a client, or more like a partner, that is all the way on the origination side. I'll explain to you with examples so it makes it uh, clearer. So on the origination side, we are working with uh, with Lone Pro, which is a partner of us. So The idea is they have 1,200 lenders. And these lenders, at a certain time, they're going to have to sell their loans to investors, to other institutions. So each one of them can build their APIs, and they can connect with whoever it is. Or Vault is building this connectivity to LoanPro, the software itself. So LoanPro can actually go out and say, hey, use my software, and you access the private market directly. So you don't have to build anything on top of just use my software, I already got it. So 1,200 lenders will be able to directly access the private market. So once you have the asset originators, that brings the capital. Capital brings other asset originators. And that's the balance and the counterbalance that whether you're building a marketplace, whether you're building a network, that's what you need to do. But what's important is that you have to always make sure that the network is built in a balanced way. So if you have too many capital providers, what are they going to do? Talk to each other? Does not make sense. If you have too many asset originators, it does not make sense. If you have focus on one asset class, it doesn't make sense. So you have to continuously make sure, without interfering, that you market to the ones that you don't have to complete the picture. Our goal is, in a few years, that an asset management company or anybody that practices Uh, finance globally uh, small companies Mm -hmm. that we will be not the last software but the last thing they have to do from a technology point of view because all the other software hopefully we will have time to plug in with our system so they don't have to worry about technology and in terms of savings it's dramatic we are talking about 10 to 20 folds of what they will pay if they have to do it on their own not sure. to mention the time to market and all that.
0: Sure, understood, Saul. That's helpful. Um, and so in, in, in this piece here, we're talking a bit about the various different players or participants in the ecosystem. And I think an important point that you made earlier that maybe we should restress here is those participants are, are vetted. Right? Exactly. And, 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 and credentialed. Right? Exactly. And so maybe talk a little bit more about that vetting process and the credentialing process, because it's so critical to those people and, and who wants to participate and then how much they actually do engage.
1: Right, right. Uh, you don't want to be in a network, in a marketplace, or whatever it is that you're going to be communicating with other partners without knowing that they are vetted. So, so there are two parts to the vetting process. There is the vetting as it's understood by everybody. Are you a, a bad actor or are you a good actor? Uh, and then there is profiling. And yes, we can use the word profiling because we're talking about businesses. So let's focus on the first one. Uh, today, there is tons of data. There is plenty of services that can give you a very good picture of a business. Apple uses it all the time before you become an Apple developer company. So so it's there, and it's automated, and it's easy. The problem with it is costs. So let's say, again, take that example of uh, an investor that wants to build a position in biotech. So they will start with 100 companies. If it costs $1,000 to vet a company, then since the get-go, they have to pay $100,000 to end up with three or four companies that they will focus on and do heavy due diligence. Does not make common sense. So we are going to pay that $100,000, but it's data that's going to be used by every member in the network. So you pay for it once and use it all the time. That data actually does not belong to me or to you, but it belongs to the company that was vetted. They can choose to open it and share it with everyone to make sure that we are not selling data that we are not supposed to be selling. So that's on the vetting part. On the profiling part, which happens all the time, including in this conference, people will be working around looking to meet investors to raise a fund for $100 million and they will be talking to someone for like 30 minutes to realize that he makes half million dollar investments. That does not make sense. So it happens if you are building an ESG type uh, fund as well. You don't want to be wasting time. You want to be going directly to the people that are going to be having more likelihood to do a transaction with you.
0: Excellent. Great. Um, This is a relatively short session too, guys. So uh, if you do have questions, just feel free to raise a hand uh, and we can can take them. what, so, uh, another area that I wanted to delve uh, deeper into and, as you know, go to market is something I think a lot about personally um, is, is the, the revenue model behind this, right, and the various different participants. We talked about membership fees, um, but what, what does the, the revenue model, at least maybe initially and then future state, uh, look like in your vision?
1: Right. So, we created a revenue model that is really customized for the typical entrepreneur that started a finance company. Think about the senior guy that spent 20 years at uh, some of the big firms and he decided, okay, I understand this alternative better than anybody else. I'm gonna build my own company. Of course, they don't have the network that they used to have, part of the Morgan Stanley's and the Goldman's and so on, When he can uh, uh, dial, speed dial the guy in Japan and he can find the investors and so on. So we want him to have that and he's gonna get it as a membership fee. So you pay a membership fee, and you can access everybody. So we are not interested in building a way for you to talk to people. That's LinkedIn. We're not interested in that. What we are interested in in building an operational model to plug in to other companies. Because after talking, after agreeing, after doing a transaction, there is data that's going to be shared. There is uh, monitoring that's going to happen. There is uh, financial reporting that happens all the time. And that's really where Vault, makes a a big difference in the life of of these companies Uh, otherwise they're going to have to be building it custom if it is something unique or they have to buy software that is not meant for them which costs half a million minimum so it doesn't make sense uh, for them to start to start that way so we created a revenue model that depending what you need you can keep buying modules most of these modules we don't have in the sense that we don't build them but our partners have built them and put them on our platform, so you will be paying them through our marketplace for 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 uh, modules. Got it. Makes sense. Makes sense. So I'm
0: going to ask. You, I know I promised tough questions here, but I appreciate that you're the celebrity here. Uh, so, so I'll give you I'll give you the broad I'll give you the broad one too. Like, it, what, one is is Are there aspects of Vault that, that I haven't asked about that um, that you want to delve deeper into? And then one thing too that personally I think would be helpful and Sol has walked this through with me a couple of times now, but so there's that broad question of something else you want to cover, but then the life cycle of a transaction as it lives through vault and, and in the future state where you have all the various different participants and players and how they all kind of come into, to to that, that transaction.
1: Let me, let me give you an example that really summarizes all the, all the things that uh, probably I said or tried to say, uh, there is a very, very active market today in the private markets that's trading secondaries. So the idea is that IPOs will take 14 years as opposed to taking five years. So employees that join company early on are sitting on really good quality assets, but they can't uh, uh, sell them. So what happens is they go to a marketplace and they put it on that marketplace. They find a, a buyer. They agree. So it is usually a discount. And we're talking about 40 50% discount. So the employee needs to get the transaction approved by the CFO of the company. The CFO is working on closing the next round of financing, let's say, at $5 billion, when the employee is selling it at half a a billion dollars. It doesn't make sense. So yes, those are your shares, but you don't have the rights to buy and sell them unless the company approves. It's a process full of friction, because nobody knows what the pricing is. So a better model with Vault is that we put all the power in the hands of the CFO of the company. A CFO of a biotech company is not going to stop what he's doing to look for buyers for you. But if he has a network in front of him, and if he gets your shares, your shares, and your shares, he can put everything together in a fund, and then he can sell it. Because people are reaching out to them. And he has all the documentation. He has all the information. And more important, he has all the authority to approve that transaction. So with the lack of a market network, people tend to create very twisted processes to achieve certain goals. I believe most of the randomness and the friction that happens in the private market, it's like, oh, how did you get this deal? I play tennis with this guy, and he tells me. All of that is happening because we don't have that that market network. Once we have that market network, the fluidity of this transaction, price discovery, uh, uh, what's important, what's not important, what's hot, what's not hot. I remember when, when, when COVID hits, March, April, people were selling credit funds at 30, 40% discounts. And within three months, the market came back. We're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. So in three months, they lost $30, $30 million. So, so at the same time, there were people around the world, but you just did not know that they exist, that were buying that type of asset. Sure. It's, it's very strange yeah. that with the lack of access, you actually tend to make some really, really big financial mistakes. Yeah. And we're trying to create a system so you don't have this going forward.
0: Excellent. Thanks, Saul. Um, so we're down to our last minute 30 here. I don't see a question. So. Um Look, the the thing that I like to do with these sessions, particularly the the faster ones, is what are, say, the the three things that you want people to take away um, about Vault um, and as they they learn more about it?
1: Right. Well, the first one, which is uh, the question that you asked me, we are not a marketplace. So we don't decide, we don't judge the deals, we don't classify them, we don't order them. Uh, The work still has to be done by the company that is looking for capital so we give you the tools we give you the systems and you have to do your work to find the proper investor for you or if you're an investor to find the properties so that's uh, the first thing the second thing uh it's meant for small financial institutions it's not meant for large financial institutions large financial institutions do have their network already they don't need us so we are for those that don't have that network. And third, like any network, there is an inflection point where the question is why are, uh, the question becomes why aren't you not part of that network instead of saying why should I join this network? And that inflection point happens usually after you reach a certain number. Uh, based on the analysis we did that number for us is 250 to 300 organizations. 300 organizations in our industry, in the private market, is a lot. So Each one of them will have like 1,000 clients. Uh, each one of them are going to be closing, I don't know, two transactions a month. So that creates a lot.
0: Got it. Very interesting, Saul. Well, thank you very much. That's all the time we have for this session. So I appreciate it. And thank you for the chance to come up here and have a fireside chat with you. Thank you, Matt. Thanks everybody.